Hello, Managing Madrid listeners. This is your host, Kian Sobani. In a moment, we're going to be joined by Matt Wiltsey to discuss the horror show in Butarka against Leganes uh, on Monday Night Football, a very rare edition of Monday Night Football. Uh, we talk about the performance, but mostly we, we stay away from the game and just talk about everything surrounding the club right now, the performances of certain players, their future. Uh, it was fun, always is, even during these gloomy times. Um, also, before we get underway, this show is brought to you by Managing Madrid Swag. We have a swag store. Teespring.com slash stores slash Managing Madrid Swag. We'll link it in the show notes, but you can get hoodies, stickers, uh, iPhone cases, leggings, t-shirts, pillows, mugs, bunch of cool branded stuff, all designed by our cartoonist, Finn. Go there, support the show. And finally, shout out to all of our amazing patrons, patreon.com slash Managing Madrid Go there, pledge, get access to bonus shows, get different rewards. One of your rewards, if you pledge $10 or more, is you get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So shout-out to these $10-plus patrons, Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefane, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavronakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sad Omar, Oluwapamimo, Oladunjoy, Patrick, Odai Afadi, Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maridista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Vinod Baratula, Zoran Bosnchich, Sway Ayala, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Ahmed Amayahi, Umar Mahari, Amiel, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Brennan Powers, Daniel Smith. Uh, that was the longest list I've ever read. So thank you guys so much. Almost blacked out, lost my voice, all that. Uh, you guys are fantastic. Thank you again. All right, without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid podcast with myself, Kian Sobani, and Matt Wiltsey. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there, and worth reading about that man there, Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. We're recording this on a Monday. It's a historic day because this is the first time ever the Managing Madrid podcast has done a post-game show on Monday. I repeat, Monday. Such is the state of Real Madrid. Joining me on the his- historic hour to discuss an uninspiring Real Madrid dot Butarque is Matt Wiltsey. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, this was, uh, this was a weird one. It's just weird to have a Monday match. It just didn't feel like... The fans, anyone involved was up for it, and the team, certainly, starting out, did not look up for it at all. I got to tell you, it's it, it kind of just like was summarized our entire season. When I was looking at the weekend schedule, I was mapping out what I'm going to watch, and I've been lim- trying to limit myself to like two to three games per day, because uh, at this point, I'm just trying to maximize time with my son. And I was like trying to look for that Real Madrid. I was like, hold on, why aren't we playing? And then I remembered. I remembered that we were told like 
previously that Real Madrid is having that Monday game this week. Uh, and then, you know, it's just kind of weird. It's on, it's, it's a Monday, like we've had midweek games. And then it was really weird not having that Sunday podcast last night. Um, just weird, just like Real Madrid season. I know that this is the most obvious thing ever, but it's still so weird to me that Real Madrid has, it, it, it's, it's been longer than I thought the process would be. It feels longer because when you're out in early March, not even like mid-March or late March, they're out early March out of everything. That makes the entire rest of the season go by so slowly because even living yeah. through that entire six, seven year era where we were knocked out of the round of 16 every year, we still had La Liga to play for. We had Copa del Rey. Nothing this year. It, it It's just crazy to me. It, it feels so long and so drawn out. No, I completely agree. It just, it, it's going by so, so slow. And, you know, I mean, you try to rev yourself up for these games, but then as soon as the match starts and 10 minutes in, you see how the team is playing. It's just, it depresses you even more. What is your, do you have a, a second team in a second sport that you that you find solace in? I really don't. I mean, I, I really, I mean, that's the thing. I've never really um, had a second team or any, not even in football. Like I just, I'm completely neutral to most other teams. Like some, it just depends on kind of, what I want the storyline to be is like what I favor more. But, and of course I, I watch a ton, like every other, as much football as possible, but like, I don't really have any allegiance towards anyone else. So this is making it even more harder. I, uh, I tweeted this earlier, but it's just kind of like a helpless situation for me. Cause I'm a Raptors fan and, yeah. uh, we have, we have such a promising year and we still do. We lost game one of the playoffs when, like, so this is our thing. I don't know if you follow at all, but the Raptors, they're just known for losing game one every round, every series. The first round, <laughs> they lose game one. Second round, they lose game game one. They make the Eastern Conference Finals, they lose game one. They always lose game one. And this goes back for a long time. I think since 2000 or something, they've won one wow. or two first uh, game ones. Uh, like in their history and uh, this was like the one year where they w- weren't supposed to lose game one like and, and, I, and I saw like Raptor fans and prominent Raptor journalists tweet out they were like it feels weird not to be nervous about it because we're actually legitimately good this year and we lost game one again and I was like man I I have <laughs> zero hope for the Raptors doing anything in this playoffs yeah. and I just have I'm trying to find comfort somewhere um and I and I always I always think I I can't wait to just fast forward to see this roster next year. And I I have this bit of nervousness deep inside me about which players Zidane is going to choose and which one isn't. You and I were talking, and let's be clear: like as much as we have to talk about this game, I don't think anyone's actually interested in talking about this game. Um, <laughs> although we will talk about it, and I mentioned this to Ed last week when he missed the the A bar post game. Nobody sent a question about Abar anyway. They all sent questions about the future and the summer and this player and that player. But you and I were talking about Afir because you brought to my attention a quote that I didn't know about until you brought it up with me was that before this game, he had a quote about, Zidane had a quote about Marcos Llorente. And when you said, did I see that quote about Marcos Llorente? And I said, no, I started to sweat a little bit because I, <laughs> I just got nervous thinking about what even happens to him. Uh so I'll just read the quote because it's in front of me. Um, 
and your interpretation of it and my interpretation of it was different than the interpretation of Mark on some other other papers. So uh, he said, Zidane says, we will see about next season. Um, I've known Marcos for a long time. He is a player that is constantly improving. The only thing for him is that he needs to play more because that will help him. I remember when he was at Alaves on loan, he played regularly and he had a phenomenal season there. Um, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what the papers ran away with. Yeah, so the papers then, I mean, both Marca and Asa, they all thought that meant uh, Marco Chirente is going out on loan, that he's, oh, this is a sure thing. He's 100% going out on loan again. And when I first read those quotes, like I, that, I didn't even read Marco, the Marco Ass uh, take on I read the quotes first. And when I first read those quotes, I, I felt that that probably meant, oh, Marco Chirente is probably going to get a lot more minutes uh Zidane's inferring that he he just needs to play and so he's going to play him more um but obviously he didn't start tonight and he is fit so I think I don't know I think he has a niggling injury though oh he he does okay um so here's another idea instead of loaning him up for playing time just play him (laughs) exactly he's he's at this point he's the best defensive midfielder on this team and He's way more press resistant. His vertical passing has improved this season, since his Alaves days even. Uh, he's proven to be a good ball carrier, which kind of surprised us. Getting into the final third, you know, the odd goal here and there, which really surprised us, I think, because we never saw any of that Alaves. And anytime he got himself in a shooting position, um, he, they were, his shots were wildly off target. So th- that part... Based on that, and everybody knows I'm always going to be slightly biased towards Marcos Llorente, and I fully admit that, and I take pride in that. Mm-hmm. But just certain comments about like that about Marcos makes me nervous about what he is, who he is going to choose next season. And I also get kind of, I always get confused about, we, we talk about this player and that player, uh, and in a team that has so many options on the left side with Vinicius, Hazard almost surely coming. Um, Bale's probably best position on that left side, although he's probably not going to stay, um, although he might. And we, we talk about like you know needing help in the final third in our attack and our transition and binding the offense together and creativity and breaking down defensive lines. And all these names that we could possibly buy and still like nothing, no, not even like a single trace that Ramja could just bring Hamas back. Like all those things kind of make me nervous about the squad building process. And I'm fully willing to trust Zidane about all this. I think he's, he earns that. And even if he gets it wrong, I still think he deserves the chance to have time and make mistakes. And that's fine. But it does make me a little bit nervous, Matt. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I mean, even I mean, we have a question on it later, but even the treatment of Regulon right now, and that that makes me nervous. And just I don't understand why at this point, like today, Fede was probably the one surprise lineup call. But if Cruz was fit, I doubt he would have started. So I just don't understand why we're not trying things out more. And why aren't we like why aren't you giving Marco Chirente the run? Why aren't you? playing Mariano up top, at least seeing what he has to offer. Um, it's just, it's, 
and hey, you can play Mariano with Benzema. Maybe try out a four four two. Maybe try out some different things. But that's the only thing I question. But I did kind of talking to your point about trusting Zidane. I just wrote a big uh, feature for managing Madrid. Yeah, labeled in Zidane we trust. And basically, the message uh, I I felt or I was trying to send in my article is that no matter what happens, it's now we're at the point that. It's just got to be blind faith. You're trusting Zidane. You're going with Zidane. Whatever decisions he makes, he makes, and we just gotta, we gotta go with it. We gotta let let for once a Real Madrid, and this is more directed to the club, obviously, but let for once a Real Madrid manager just operate with full authority to make the decisions he wants to make. And if he decides, and God forbid that we all don't want to see it, but he decides to sell talented Martin Odegaard with a buyback clause and keep Lucas Vasquez, then that's what he decides to do. And if he decides to keep Raul de Thomas instead of signing Jao Felix or Luka Jovic, like that's what he decides to do. And we, as frustrating as that may be for fans and as badly as we want to see certain changes we can't i think we have to believe in what zidane's doing we have to trust him and we have to just go all in and fully commit i, I think this is a long-term process and even if we don't win a single trophy next year again and i said in my article if hey if we're we scupper by a second division side in the copa del rey we're second in our champions league group and we're already trailing behind barcelona by january in la liga we can't be calling for zidane's head it's got to be the long-term view. It may take four transfer windows before this things gets fully. It's a full to dawn, complete overhaul. But whatever it takes, I think at this point, it's now time for Madrid to commit long-term to a coach, and Zidane's been the chosen one. All that is stuff that I, I've been kind of on that train for years now. Um, I, I just, I always have believed in continuity and and patience. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I I'm fully fully on board. Uh but late as of late it, I've I'm starting to really I, I believe that it's it's kind of going to be more dramatic changes than I initially thought, which I didn't know exactly what changes meant, what it looked like. Ever since that moment we got knocked out to Ajax and the season ended. Even at even that night, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I don't know what changes means. It could, it it may not need drastic changes. It may just need little tweaks. It may mean just selling a couple of players, buying a couple of players, giving more time to the younger players. I'm starting to think that it could be a bit different. And Zidane may want to bring in more established players to see. Like, and I also wonder about Llorente's role in this positioning. Modern football doesn't. The, we've with every year that passes, we seem to be drawing far farther and farther away from a traditional anchor, where <clears throat> that destroyer midfielder doesn't really exist anymore um, at elite clubs, and even the traditional anchors like players like Fernandinho or Busquets and these guys, they're so good and technical on the ball that. Yeah. You know, I I don't think it's crazy that Zidane might not want like that kind of defensive midfielder like Casemiro there or Marcos Llorente there, or maybe he just wants to kind of shuffle things up and pack the midfield another way. And if he wants to make room for someone like Pogba and Eriksen, maybe he wants to do something like a cross, you know, cross a bit deeper. I I don't know, but I think I think there's a lot, all kinds of ways of looking at it. 
Um, and there's actually well, think, a question about it, but but yeah, go ahead. Well, I think another way to look at it too is this squad has. You always hear like you're not gonna be able to change the change the players. So to motivate the squad, you change the manager. And we changed the manager three times and it still hasn't remotivated the squad. So I think it, it now comes to the point where it may be that, and I'm with you, I, I initially thought when Zidane came in, oh, it's it's not going to be a radical overhaul. But I'm starting, I don't know, I'm starting to get that vibe as well. It's just kind of certain little innuendo and hints he has in his press conferences. That, and I mean, literally, I mean, this the press asks him every single time what changes what changes are going to happen but he i mean he's always forthright in saying there will be changes things are going to change and even after today's game he said um we have the players that should that should play better like honest these players should be playing better with the quality that we have but this isn't going to happen next season there's going to be changes next season will be different he keeps saying that so uh he's very forthright about that I also think we also should just remind ourselves the fact that Zidane is the most unpredictable human being on earth. And nothing that he's done in the past is necessarily logical in terms of, you know, rewarding players um, or giving us a premonition of what's to come based on one lineup selection. It could be wildly different. And not just, I'm not even just talking about like, from preseason friendlies or meaningless games. I mean, like, from, like, big game to big game. Like, you had no idea what he was doing. And even during this entire end-of-season run, you know, people joke, call it a preseason, whatever it is, auditions, even even that's been really unpredictable. Like, we saw Brahim for a game, and then what happened to Brahim? Just, like, he left after that. It's like, I think Zidane was like, okay, I saw him for one game. I think I, I got... <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, the one... Uh, and I'll, Mariano thing also kind of is gutting to me because I, I always have believed in Mariano. I still do. Uh, although, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that Raul de Tomas is a bad option if that's the one he chooses over Mariano. I also still don't think, even if you bring Raul de Tomas back, that that's all you need. Yeah. And I also don't think... Well, it depends on the other pieces coming in. But I don't think I also don't think Benzema and Raul Thomas strike force isn't necessarily enough for next season. That's also something to consider. Unless Hazard's chipping in for fifteen goals and Asensio steps up again next season. I have a lot, I have a little rant about Asensio too. I think fans are a bit harsh and we'll get to that. Uh where was I going with this? I all oh right. So the the fact that Marcelo and Isco are playing almost every game, I think Based on Zidane's unpredictable unpredictability, I think fans are reading a bit too much into it. I, I just think that he's trying to see with Marcelo and Isco if there is any chance they can recover their form. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought Isco was good today. I think a lot of people didn't think he was good. I think he was, in the second half, he kind of faded. First half, he was good. But I also don't know if there's any indication to see Marcelo and Isco play every game in this little run that it means they're going to be here next season. I honestly don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think especially, especially in the case of Marcelo, I get the feeling that he's just trying to, 
get any sign of life, just trying to get him back just to see if he can still get the best form out of him or if this truly is um, a decline. And, I mean, today's match was <laughs> Marcelo did not do himself any favors. And really, we haven't seen him even since the Don returned, who is the one that he, Marcelo said it before Zidane even returned. He was the guy that just gave him confidence. He he was the guy he wanted to play for. He was the guy that just believed in him. And we're still not seeing the best of Marcelo. And yeah, it, it does take time. And so that's why Zidane's trying to give him games. But um, I don't know about you. I just been I've just been surprised at even with the fact that there's nothing to play for. I've just been really surprised by the team's attitude and just kind of the yeah. laissez-faire like lethargic like it's just there's no there's nothing like you would think with Zidane's return there would be more impetus to just play well and show something but it just the ad- I don't know I don't know if it's the attitude or what it is but it just doesn't seem like the team is up for these games at all I completely agree I I get that the season's over and that's that's got to play a huge part in it. But it's not like this is anything new. So, because we've kind of been like this all season. That's the worrying part. You know, like... Yeah. I It's not inconceivable for me to look at this game and just close my eyes and be like, this this is just basically a game from October or November or yeah. December. Like, I, I don't, I don't think, right. you know, like it kind of has felt lifeless all season. And I don't know why. And I, you know, I don't think hunger is also the idea that the players aren't hungry is also kind of, well, I think that's true in a general sporting sense that if you win enough, your belly will be full. But I don't think it it should apply in this situation. I don't think it's a good excuse because A, and I mentioned this to Eduardo last week, excuse me, Modric has one league title. In his entire Real Madrid career, that's crazy. Yeah. That's his belly's not full domestically. And what about these? You know, well, I will say this. Maybe like to counter what I said, the rebuttal to that is: well, the younger players have actually been the hungrier players this year. Vinicius has been a fireball. Ceballos has looked good. Regulon has looked good. Llorente has looked good. So there's also that counterpoint to it. But I, I just, I do think there is, and I'm not in the team to tell you what the answer is or who who it is that fits the bill here. But I think there is dead weight and some something poisonous that needs to be cut off before it spreads. And I do think there needs to be a rejuvenation and, re, and a bit of a revolution to get this team back on track. Because we saw signs of it last year in the league too. Yeah, and I think that's the other rebuttal fans will give you is that then why isn't Barca's bellies full? Because they've been yeah. winning double after double tr- trebles, and I mean they're they're not stopping, they're not letting down year after year. They they bring it in La Liga, and as Eduardo's article pointed out, I mean even in the years where they lost La Liga, they were still there basically on the final day. Within even the year we we won it in sixteen seventeen when we won the double, we had to beat Malaga on the last day to make sure that we we secure that title. So it's never, there's never been an instance where Barca aren't hungry, where Barca aren't bringing it every single season. And so I think that's another thing that just frustrates 
the hell out of Madrid fans. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Bale just ran off the pitch. <laughs> what? After the final no, whistle. Yeah, was, everyone no. was like saying to shake hands and he just ran to the dressing room. Sure. Uh, that situation almost seems beyond repair. Yeah, and and his agent keeps coming out like claiming he wants to stay and claiming he loves Madrid, and I, I really believe he does. But if this is the situation, then he's not going to want to stay. I mean, he's just got too big of an ego. He's he just can't um, he can't stand being on the bench. He hates it. Yeah, my issue with that is that if he hates it, then he just needs to prove he belongs on on the field. Which he hasn't. I mean, the opportunity has yeah, been there. Uh, I wanted to, before we, we have to talk about the game, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I think something interesting, and, and uh, yeah, Asensio. Because I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of like, I'm kind of surprised about how harsh fans have been on him. Uh, and I mentioned in my immediate reaction that he, I I didn't think he was great tonight, but I also thought he worked hard um, in a team that had a lot of possession, possession and didn't create many clear-cut chances. He at least um, seemed to at least want to take shots, move in the final third, move between the lines to, to receive some good passes, most notably one in the first half that he received a pass from East Coast, nice first touch in the box. Looked lively to me at least, and I was, and I also mentioned that he's he was he's been in form in, in for a couple months now, um, and people really just hated the idea of, of they you know they didn't really see it that way, and questioned like what does that mean he's been in form for a couple months? A couple months was probably an exaggeration for me. I I clocked it back to the first leg against Ajax. I think it's in like almost two months, which I think you could you could reasonably say he's been a bright spot for Real Madrid. And uh, and again, I mentioned this before, I think it's a really low bar. So I'm not saying that he's been uh, Johan Cruyff on that on, on the wing, but he was the, probably the best player against Ajax in the first leg, um, along with Vinicius Jr. and Benzema created that first goal. He came, Asensio came off the bench and immediately caused Ajax a bunch of problems that didn't exist beforehand. Was one of the very few bright spots in the second leg against Ajax. Um, pretty much continued, like was like steady, and then was really good on the right wing against Celta. And... Uh, you know, I thought he was okay today. I I just think like it's crazy that he gets singled out sometimes, and while I because I you know and I was one of the fa- you know I think a lot of people expect more, and I think that's really fair. And I was one of the ones who were kind of upset that he didn't take the number seven, and uh, and also the fact that he kind of shied away and didn't really take the Ronaldo departure and take the take it by the scruff of the neck. I get that. You know, that's a lot of pressure on him, and some people think that he shouldn't have got the seven. Part of me just wishes he would have just ran away with it and and kind of swung his balls around a little bit. <laughs> uh, but he didn't do that, and I get, and I was kind of disappointed with it. But I also think, like, you give him enough time and patience, he's a really good player, and I think he's been good the last couple months. So I, I just wanted to, to get that off my chest about Asensio. No, and I think... Um... 
kind of to build off your point, we we talked about it on a, a podcast last year actually when we can, we did that um, going through all of the wonder kids that Madrid have ever signed, mm-hmm. and you look at that and the growth is never it's very very rarely like a linear straight growth where they just go from up and up and up and up and up and rise 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 rise, and I mean even now you're seeing guys like. Danny Parejo, Sergio Canales, Pablo Sarabia. These are three of the probably like team of the year candidates in La Liga. These are guys who all had a chance with Real Madrid at a very young age. Didn't cut it because the patience wasn't there, obviously. And they, they weren't they weren't ready at that young age. Marco Asensio proved at a young age that he was ready. And now obviously he's hitting some growing pains. It's it's not a it's not a linear progression. And it is like I agree with you. I think since that Ajax match, he has been oh so much better. And he started the year. I mean, the first month or so of the season, he drew like three or four penalties and was really he was he was one of the key players. And then it just kind of tailed off October and on. It really tailed off. Um, but l- like you said, even today, I thought there were some bright moments. I was surprised. I went back and obviously looked at the stats after the match. He had five shots. I was shocked at that. Yeah. I didn't realize he had that many shots. Well, I, so, one of them was, I think, that free kick way over the bar. But other than that, my point about the shots still stands. Like, he was yeah. he was trying, you know? Yeah. And so I think what you see in him, especially in this match, is like, yeah, this this team, there's a lot of just, like you kind of said, like dead weight. There's something there that's just not... It's not gelling. It's not clicking anymore. But what you see in Asensio is something that that can eventually click if put in the right system, if given the right opportunities, if put placed in the right spot. Like you see, you there's still the potential there. And yes, he has underperformed versus what we've come to expect to him because he has set those lofty standards. But he's still we forget he's still so young. And I mean, wait till he's let's see how he is when he matures like Sergio Canales, Danny Parejo. Now they're they're almost 30, they're what, 28, 29 years old. They're finally getting into the Spain squad. They're finally hitting their peak. Like that's how long it takes sometimes. Like you you got to be patient. What what was your main takeaway from this game? I know that well, that's <laughs> kind of a broad question, but you can kind of just start my main with the takeaway main takeaway was point. yeah, my main take takeaway and I saw you make this point on Twitter and I I was thinking to myself during the game, this is exactly what I was thinking, is how badly we miss Vinicius in this type of game. An 18-year-old who gave us, he just had that direct, that direct, that verticality that we miss and just someone to go at the back line, someone to stretch the back line, break them down 1v1, just anything live in the attack. We just miss that desperately. And like, he just gave you something he, you got excited every time he got on the ball. And I, in this type of game, you remember, you, you talked about how it felt like earlier in the season. It did. It was like how the season felt before Vinicius started playing. Uh, Vinicius, I mean, it's just sometimes, I, well, I can only speak for myself. I kind of just, I wouldn't say I forgot about him, but like basically after he got injured, it's been so long since we've seen him that you almost just think like, oh, well, you know, he's, We'll see him next season. Yeah. Um, although I know he's he's back training, so maybe we'll see him at some point. But like you clearly miss his flair and his ingenuity on that left flank. And there were 
you know, there was a lot of possession that Real Madrid had today. And although I think Leganes defended well, and I think if you, like, they, they did well, like, defending basically their own third. Um, Real Madrid had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shots in the box. One of them resulted in the goal from Benzema. Um, Cuellar saved a couple others, but the rest were just basically closed or blocked really quickly um, by Leganes. I think they defended really well. And you and I both know, you know, we we watch Leganes play a lot because of Oscar yeah. and and the once in the blue moon Lunin game. Um, and we know they they're actually like a quite organized tactical side, and we know that also because Pellegrino is a great coach. So I think, and, and one thing, and I, maybe Real Madrid fans will just roll their eyes when I say this, but. <laughs> To be honest, in the vacuum, playing at Butarca is actually not easy. They're one of the best home teams in the league. Barca lost there. I think that was one of their only two losses this season was in Butarca. Atleti haven't won there this season. So it's actually a tough place to play. Um, and I, But I just think that while Leganes defended well, I thought there were a lot of moments where Real Madrid were just kind of too slow in the attack. Um Marcelo yeah. was open a couple times in the diagonal switch and motors just kind of ignored him. And then but they they basically used Carvajal as a funnel a lot. Like I noted this in my reaction, but Carvajal had thirty more touches than Marcelo. And he was getting those switches that Marcelo wasn't getting. Unfortunately, Carvajal's crossing was terrible in this game. He worked hard defensively. Um but you do miss that just that I don't know, what do you call it? Flair. Uh just the ability to go vertical every time in Vinicius. And mind you, I actually thought Isco played well. Um, he had that really nice pass to Asensio early from like a more central position. He had some nice cross-field switches to Carvajal. He had some nice defensive efforts um, to stop counterattacks. But there is just something about Vinicius that is just so incisive and so unpredictable and so hard to defend that I I just can't wait to see him back on the pitch. Yeah, I agree. He he's an X factor, and I think uh, just touching on some of your your points from the game, I, it, it's funny how you talk about just how slow our attack and the slow the pace of the game. Because I have a note, it just there there are times when we're on the counter attack, like we have the ability to go at Leganes, and we bring it back and we slow it down and we um, just kind of really wind down the rhythm of the play and it, it it's killer to watch it's like we're madrid go at them go use use your pace use your speed be direct i mean i i always love what jorge valdano said is madrid's philosophy it's to reach the opposition's box as quickly as possible and take as many shots as possible mm. like that's real madrid that's our ethos people say we don't have a philosophy i don't agree with that that's what we are we we look to get to the opposition's box as quickly as possible and Today we didn't do that. It felt like we were just kind of holding on to possession for possession's sake, and there was no, there was no penetration. There was no threat. There was it was nothing. It was just, I mean, Isco had a few few opportunities where he did provide kind of those defense splitting passes, but aside from that, you saw very very little penetration. By the way, on a, as a side note, Valdano's really grown on me in the last year or so. I really like Valdano. Yeah, I, I really love like him. I think as a kid growing up, I didn't really appreciate what he brought to the table as a sporting director. Uh, 
and uh, and then he eventually left because Mourinho kind of won the battle with him, and and he didn't. Yeah. So what's interesting about Valdano is that he is such a traditional Maridista in the sense that he really believes in the values and the attacking philosophy. Yeah. So he wants the team to attack and play attractive football, but he also doesn't stand for any of the, like the pettiness or any of the the you know the things that Mourinho brought to the table and all yeah. that stuff. And and so he always. And you know, I, he I, today he talked about. I think it was today talked about, you know, wanting Ericsson over Pogba. You know, just yeah. for the reasons that he's better fit. Also, the mentality. He has an interesting column in the Guardian now too. Anyway, um, it's kind of a tangent, but I he's grown on me in the last year. Yeah. Not that well, I. Well, I just think. Yeah. He, yeah, and I just think he's very. He's so eloquent, and he's just. So, he's. I think he's really wise. Like I just like to. His he has little bits of like quotes that come out every now and obviously his columns and i i just think you can pull stuff from them that are just makes it makes you think a little bit deeper about madrid and kind of about the philosophy and the team and everything like that right um was there any, i i i guess we can talk about casemiro this was this a would you say a classic casemiro game i I'd, would yeah I'd say more, maybe more bad than good. I think his passing was pretty awful at times. Um, but then he does the one or two WTF moments a game where the one, the Modric, before Modric, he has the hockey assist to Modric to Benzema because he has a really nice vertical pass, pass where he just slices Leganes and then Modric does the turn and assist to Benzema. He had a really important challenge on Braithwaite in the 74th minute. Um, yeah. yeah, and just looking at the defensive statistics, I looked at these after the match because I didn't really. Again, it was another thing that kind of startled me. Like Asensio's shot production was, Casemiro had four tackles, which was the team team high. Um, he had three clearances, which was just behind Varane. He had an interception, a block shot. I mean, he was he was. I don't. I mean, just purely from a stats standpoint. He had a good game um, defensively. And so that, I mean, I didn't even recognize that as much until afterwards, until I looked at the stats. Was there anything else from this game that we want to talk about? Um, I, I thought Fede Valverde was solid. I thought he had a good game. He's he's very, I mean, he's got that kind of, for me, I know he looks up to Cruz, and I think he's got that kind of, Cruz composure to him. He just doesn't get rattled by anything, and I, I like his smoothness on the ball. Um, I, I thought he had a solid game, and it was good to see him get the start and get as much time as he did. I thought Fetty was good. Uh, there was just that one defensive sequence where I was just confused at what he was doing. There was that great Braithwaite chance uh, in the 13th minute, the one where it was a set piece. And Braithwaite suddenly finds himself like alone inside the six-yard box, and he just can't redirect the, the cutback. I don't know if you remember that play, but no, I saw I saw you write that about that, but I, I somehow missed that play. Yeah, it's a big it. one. It's their it's their biggest on the XG. It's point five three, and oh, wow. uh, and so like the set piece comes in, and the the entire line kind of shifts back, apart from Valverde, who just decides not to track. The, the rest of the set piece and then Varane and Nacho are just kind of spread in the box and Braithwaite gets open that 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 sequence was kind of bizarre to me um, also what was your assessment of the 
Jonathan Silva goal. Was there anything we could have done to prevent that? Asensio maybe closing um, him down yeah, a bit faster? That, that was the one thing. I thought Asensio probably should have been closer to him initially, and then he could have been able to close him down. Um, but, yeah, that that's the only thing. I mean, he literally picked the ones because – I think it was Casemiro who came closing down and Modric too and Asensio, but he found the one little pocket where he could slip the ball through. And, um, so it was a good goal, but I do think Asensio could have probably done a little bit more. Yeah. Um, let's take questions. Unless you have something else you want to talk about this game. The only other thing I had a note on was I thought as the game wore on, I thought Luka Modric grew into the match. Uh, I thought he... Especially in the second half, had a had a much better game. Uh, three key passes and obviously had the assist to Benzema. Did really well on that goal, and I thought I thought he grew into the match because the first twenty thirty minutes or so, I didn't think he was that great. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Um, all right, Patreon.com/slash Managing Madrid is where you go to pledge, get guaranteed responses to your questions. Um and get different rewards based on your pledge. Question from Zoran Bosnich. He says, what's up with Regulon? Zidane not using Regulon at all is a bit telling. He only played when Marcelo couldn't. Yes, Zidane has other reasons to give Marcelo the minutes. Yet, were we too quick to think Regulon has an almost guaranteed spot on the team for next year? At this stage, he also needs to play. He needs the confidence he's not getting by not making the match squad. How likely is he to leave on a loan or even be sold? Oh, God, I, I hope he doesn't get sold. That would be unthinkable. It is an interesting question with Regulon, though, because what is telling is that when like Zidane was pretty frank about this question when it, he was posed about Marcelo, where he said something like, uh, paraphrasing, but like, with all due respect to Regulon, who's been impressive, Marcelo's the guy we won three Champions League titles with. So I that statement to me was almost clear that Zidane just prefers Marcelo or Regulon anyway but I, I'm not sure where Regulon you and I I think would be in agreement Matt that he's it would be a disaster if we if we sold him and brought back Teo or something instead yeah no absolutely and I'm uh, I'm almost biased because I'm a huge Regulon fan I've just been so impressed with this kid just from the just from the even pre preseason, he was incredible, and he's yeah. rarely ever put a foot wrong this whole year. And uh, I, I I've just loved what I've seen from him. He's full. He's a Cantarano. I mean, he's been through every single uh, rank of the club's academy. I mean, that what more could you ask for? I mean, the kid bleeds white, and I would I would just I'd be really really upset. I if he were to even go on loan, I think I don't I don't think that's the right move, but. Like that, I'm I'm concerned. I have noticed that Regulon doesn't even make match day squads, and Vallejo does, and Vallejo hasn't even had it played a single minute. So I, I don't. I'm just confused by it. I don't understand it. Um, so I, I like Zoran. I'm I'm a little bit worried. Frederick Rantakiro says maybe I've been living under a stone, but I've never seen or heard a rumor about Casemiro leaving. I have a hard time seeing clubs like Manchester City, Barca, and Chelsea with Sarri at the helm wanting Casemiro. Is there any other big club who would like to have him? And if so, how much is he worth? Thanks. There's Well, the clubs listed, he's absolutely right, would n- have no desire whatsoever to have Casemiro in that position. Um, right. And 
the only team I've seen linked with him in the past was PSG, um, but that was prior to Tuchel taking over. And so, I, I mean, maybe they would be interested. They have a pretty large Brazilian contingent at their squad. Um, so maybe PSG, and aside from that, maybe maybe Bayern Munich, like if they reshuffled some things and they wanted a Casemiro-type player. Um, that's Those are only two really big squads I can... I can think of and could, how much would he go? F- maybe what, I could see him at somewhere like Juve. Yeah, Juve. Juve, Juve PSG, uh, maybe Bayern, like you said. In terms of his, in terms of his worth, I'd say forty, forty-five million. Ooh, I think in this market, I think it's is that too low. Yeah, I think that's low. I think he's probably. I would say sixty, even as high as seventy. Maybe I could see 70 that seventy may be a little high, but I could see Chelsea that. paid thirty-two million for Kante. But that was before. Was that before the Neymar transfer? Yeah, that was before. Yeah. So that's the thing. Even that, the Kante signing doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah. Uh, but it's there's amazing a, how much has changed since and then. After Neymar. <laughs> yeah. The before. The the before after Neymar transfer just like changes everything. Uh, yeah, that I guess that makes sense. Sixty million ish. Wild. I. It is interesting though how much the fate of a player changes with a different coach. Yeah. Um, like in terms of you know going back to the Regulon discussion. Regulon and Llorente and Ceballos, like those guys. Under Solari, had were like just seemed so safe. Uh, with Zidane, it's just different. Casemiro, like, would never be able to to play as a starter in a Pep or club or, uh, you know, or a Sari system, yeah, or a Barca system or whatever, a Ten Hag system. But you know, under an Allegri system, a Tuchel system, yeah, maybe. Uh, it it's just interesting how like you know. Just how quickly things can change for a certain player. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's another reason why I kind of I wrote the article I did, um, because at the end of the day, it's the manager, it's the system the manager wants to build, and the team, the squad that he feels fits his needs best. And maybe, yeah, Casemiro is a really talented player, and he's won three Champions Leagues, and we've seen him just absolutely dominate midfield and just be a destroyer like no other but that would never work in a Pep Guardiola system and Pep Guardiola gets to call the shots at Man City so that's that's kind of like the Don just needs to be given the keys and just we just got to let it roll we just got to trust him and hope he makes the right decisions so I think before we wrap it up we should just do some housekeeping stuff our uh our loan tracker podcast for patrons We'll go up Wednesday instead of Tuesday, and you won't want to miss it because we actually, I mean, as usual, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, and again, this weekend was very eventful for Real Madrid's low knees, two in particular. Uh, so don't miss that. If you want access to it, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Uh, we also have a special guest coming up next week. Very excited to announce that. So again you want to support the show get access to bonus shows including our loan tracker including our midweek uh post game shows and mailbags 
patreon.com slash managing madrid matt wilty has an article about zidane on the site go read that eduardo alvarez just released his column tonight um this one's about about isco um it's always interesting reading his stuff and Diego and I will be recording a post-game Champions League show tomorrow night after the Barca, United, and Ajax uh, Juve game. So stay tuned for that. Probably some a bunch of other stuff I'm forgetting, but we have a lot on the site right now, so go check it out. Matt, we'll see anything else to plug? No, that's it. All right, thanks for doing this, Matt, and uh, Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid. <laughs>